year because we want to encounter you, we want to know you, we want to love on you. And Lord, I know that you are here because you want the same. I pray, Father, that this morning every person will be able to hear your voice beyond my voice. Spirit of God, come and speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I want to continue with God's favorite home, and, we, and I feel like we're going to linger here for a while. Is it okay? Because it's the heart of God to live in you, not to just visit here. He wants to abide in you. He wants to inhabit you. And if you're like me, our hearts have many rooms. And some of these rooms are still closed, you know. Some of these, these rooms, um, maybe for whatever reason, you, you might have even locked the door from the inside. And I love that scripture with Jesus in Revelations. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And here's the key is that whoever opens. See, Jesus wants us come and open the heart, your doors of your heart. He, he waits for you to say, come on in. Yeah. Um, and I believe that's what the Lord is speaking about in the season because he's preparing us. And I agree fully, there's a harvest, uh, Derek. But we cannot, the workers are few, the Bible says the harvest is plenty, but we cannot as workers go out unless our hearts are completely open. Um, and so we spoke about what does a pure heart look like? And um, the importance of, a pure, of, of God creating the pure heart. Because you know what? You and me, we can't do this. You can try everything, you know, to, to be good. You can even smell good. You can look good. And you can put a smile on and people say, wow, that looks like a good, good smile, good man, you know, good woman. But your heart can never be created by you into purity. God has to do the work. Part of what we have in the church is healing streams, is facilitating God encounters, there's many other things. But you know what? The greatest victory for you and me is when you allow the Lord just to come. Yeah. And uh, Mareka, thank you for sending out last week the notes um, on the disciplines. And I tell you, uh, it's, been, it's been a journey for me. It still is. For God to transform my heart. I got saved many years ago because my dad was saved and I felt that's just the right thing to do. My dad was an evangelist. So, you know, we, we would dress up to go everywhere he went. I had my own little suit at the age of three, four. Um, my brother and I would be sitting next to each other with our suits on and when the people worship, we all put our hands up because we knew the exact thing to do. And we, we kind of, you know... Um, <laughs> We worked it out, you know, that if we do these certain things, then uh, we're going to make my dad look good and we're going to be treated well, you know. <laughs> and then Jesus met me on a youth camp and I, I, thought, I thought I knew everything about him and I didn't. I was sitting next to my cousin who was a South African um, karate champion. Big, it's not like me, you know. <laughs> Big guy. Very, very, um, very good in karate, and, and he started crying. 
when the preacher spoke. And I was like, I know this message because my dad used to preach this message wherever we went, you know. And where we went was not only in buildings. My dad taught me what it's like to evangelize in streets. Yeah. So when I started playing guitar, I didn't have a choice. I had to be in the band to play in the evangelical band on the street, Mr. B. We put our speakers up, combi loaded. I was small. I was in my teens then when I, you know. But at, at the youth camp, I heard the same message, and for the first time, it was like I just realized I didn't know Jesus. <laughs> and my cousin starts crying, and I look at him, and I, and I thought, if this guy can cry for this message, then maybe I should be responding to it. You know, when you're young, those are the things you look at. Hey. And so I went up to the altar on camp, you know. And it was not an altar like this. It was a camp. There wasn't the pulpit or anything. The guy that preached didn't have a suit on. We were in our shorts and maybe, I don't remember, but I think we might have even been bare feet, you know. And for the first time, I realized Jesus doesn't need you to dress up for him to meet you. And uh, it was all new to me. And I started weeping in front. And I didn't know why. And I asked the Lord, what is this? You know, I didn't know that one could have emotions. Because all I knew was a form of religion that somehow I patterned in my own head. Because I thought that is what Christianity is all about. So for years, I played in bands, you know, worship teams. And I was part of Scripture Union many, many years. Met a man by the name of Andy van der Bell. Taught me how to lead worship. Threw me into the deep end. <laughs> and, um, and then I went to university. And just before I went to university, I met a girl wasn't my wife, wasn't Chauvet. We met later. And um, had a very bad experience in having a very toxic relationship. To the point that when I went to university at UCT, I decided, I'm, well, I made a decision, I'm, I'm backslidden. It's weird, eh? I just, I don't, don't want anything to do with Jesus. Um, I made other friends. Stayed away from the crazy Christians. I would hear them because I knew that world. I would walk to lunchtime to the social science building. I don't know what it looks like now. And I would walk and I knew if I pause, Jamie steps, I'm going to hear this crazy bunch. So I would deliberately walk the other way. <laughs> I mean, this is how bad it was. I would try everything to avoid them, walk the other way, you know to get to this friend, these friends of mine. And, um, and then for the first semester, I spent most of my time playing clubber jazz and sh shooting pool um, because of the friends that I made, right? One day I was walking and I was trying to avoid and just, I don't know what it was. I, I felt empty. I had, I had friends, I had all this, but I felt so empty and I... Decided to go and visit the crazy bunch. You know. <laughs> but I walked in, 
And I'll never forget, there were pillars in this, in this room. And um, there's a guy with orange hair that later became one of my best friends. Still, we're friends, and he's running a church in Canada now. And I um, stood behind the pillar. He'd be behind the pillar, you know, like this, listening to this guy play all the wrong chords. <laughs> and I thought, that's the wrong keys, man. Wrong chords. What are you doing? And I criticized everything. And, but I tell you, I was standing there, and there was a lady worshiping in the corner. And this was full, a, room, a room filled with young people just passionately worshiping loud, <laughs> like Marlon. Yes, come on, so Yeah. And um, this lady caught my attention because she, with the poor music display, was so entrenched in the spirit, the spirit you know, she was worshiping. And I knew what it was, but it, I was just fascinated. She, she was pouring out her love for Jesus. And my heart just went like, you know. So I went up to the orange head or redhead man, I guess. And uh, I knew his face because we were in, in the same accounting class. We actually sat next to each other a few times. But we never ever spoke. And I went to him and I said, hey, my name is Tim. And he said, my name is Richard. And I said, um, I don't know what's going on. I said, you know, I, just, I almost just like broke out there. And I said, but... Um, are you guys a church? What are you like? And he said, yeah, we, we meet on a Sunday at the Baxter Theater. You should come. I said, I'll see. <laughs> you, know? you know, when your heart is hard, when your heart is, is hard because of things that you've been through, and you have walls and barriers, we spoke about this, and you put them up, you know, and it's amazing doesn't matter what barrier, how thick that barrier is, God will always pursue you. Come on, yeah. He'll hunt you down. <laughs> and so I um, had a girlfriend at the Twin Towers, I call, <laughs> the Two Towers uh, on the lady side. You're not allowed to sleep there, by the way, if you're a man. And so I would, I would stay in the weekends there. And sneak in, sneak out, that type of thing. And um, this thing of, you know, this invitation of going to church at the Baxter, was sitting here. One morning I woke up and I looked at her and she said, um, it's a Sunday morning. She said, why, why, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. <laughs> she said, are you mad? <laughs> she said, I said to her, I don't know. She said, um, well, tell me, tell me what it's like. <laughs> so I, I, I went, walked into the Baxter Theater at the top, and I sneaked in late because I thought, you know, I don't want to sit and meet you people, you know. I want to meet everybody. I knew, I knew church. I knew what it's like. So I waited for them to start, and then I came. I walked in, and as I walked down the steps, the worship was on. And the Spirit of God hit me. And I, I, swear, I, I wept that whole service. Like I couldn't stop crying. I was weeping, weeping. And the pastor stood up and he made the call. It didn't even take long. And I'm there in front. A whole lot of us. Standing in front. All students. Weeping before the Lord. Giving it all. Brokenness. 
relationships, you know, all the stuff, you know, brought it, broken homes, families, eyes, a whole lot of stuff. And then I went back, <laughs> I went back to the girl. I, I said, so she asked me, you know, so I was church. <laughs> I said, I gave my heart to Jesus. She said, so, so what now? I said, no, nothing changes. One moment of an encounter with Jesus won't transform you completely. I joined the worship team, you know, because I could play guitar. So I put myself out there, and I was still sleeping in, in the tower. So I would wake up with my guitar there, go down. Um, and then go play in the worship team. And uh, nobody knew. You know? Until one day, I woke up. She said, you going to church? I said, yes. And I said, and I don't think this is going to ever happen again. And she said, what do you mean? And she starts crying. And I said, I can't do this. I don't know, I just can't. I can't be that there and be this here. She was broken. Um, I, it took a while, you know, for her to forgive me. One day, and it was many years, I think I met Chauvet already, I'm the worship leader at the Baxter. And there she is. Front row, second front row somewhere, and I'm leading, and all of a sudden, you know, your heart goes, like, my sins of the past <laughs> has caught up, Lord. <laughs> so I thought, do I avoid? Do I, what do I do? You know, I'm leading the church now. What do I do? And you know what? She came up to me. She said, Tim, I want to thank you for making that decision to stop us. She gave out to Jesus. She's now a missionary in I don't know which country is. Transformation doesn't happen instantly. And there are things that God do instantly in you. This is the mystery. There are things that God do when you come to Him that He changes completely. And then you got to walk it out. It's like he says, you know, you are now a son and a saint, and your name is written in the book of life, and you're recorded there, but then you are going to become that which I have already made you. Yeah, it sounds confusing, right? I am becoming that which I already am. And that process of transformation is so important because that is why I do believe evangelism without discipleship does not work. Revival without transformation does not work. Having amazing meetings and Holy Spirit moves is important, but without transformation, it is pointless. That's harsh, no? And the church has to become whole in order to be able to go and evangelize, go and tell the world that Jesus lives. But man, when Jesus is living in you, I tell you, 
then the world will transform. Because what's the point we say, you know, tell the world that Jesus lives. I'm giving away my age. That was our hit song of the day. You know, that was like the cool songs, you know. Tell the world that. Tell, and I used to lead it and jump up and down and go and sleep with a girl. The transformation of the heart has to happen for God to be able to truly, truly use the church to make a difference, even in a nation like ours today, Derek, honestly. And so, you know, we come to, the, to this place on a Sunday, and we come, like David said, with a broken and contrite heart, and we say, Lord, I put myself on your altar. Come, work in me. Work in me so that I can go and tell the world that you live. And so, Paul puts it this way, and I'm just laying, because I want to speak about worship being a matter of the spirit this morning. But in terms of the heart, eh, the book of Ephesians is amazing. And we should do a study on that. I don't think Mike is here this week. He's, he's away. But we're going to put something together for the book of Ephesians. But Paul starts off with Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 about who you are immediately when you come to Christ. The transformation of the person who was once called a sinner into becoming a saint. And I listed a few things, if we, can, if we have the slide. And we, we might just send this to you if you want it. Let's just put the slide up of the different... Paul says in Ephesians 1 that you are chosen. That's Ephesians 1 verse 11. See another slide. I think I... I think I put a, gave you guys a slide. You have it. So you are chosen. You have been marked with a seal by the Holy Spirit. This is all that happens immediately when you come to Christ. You have been given all spiritual blessings. You have access to everything that heaven has available for you. You are alive in Christ, Ephesians 2 verse 4. You are resurrected with Christ, Ephesians 2 verse 6. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And all that Paul speaks about the current state of the, of the Christian, the believer that comes to Christ. But you know, when you go to chapter 4, chapter 4, then all of a sudden Paul says, therefore, and the word therefore means because you are that which God has done through Jesus, not through your works. There's nothing you and I can do. God did it. Jesus did it. He says, therefore, you are to do this, your part. That's God. God did his part. His part, when Jesus said it is finished, was literally like nailed, you know, and that was it. It was full stop. It is finished, done. God's part, he did it. But he says, therefore, Ephesians 4 is 1, live a life worthy of this call. This is something that you and I have to do, not something that the Lord's going to do on your behalf. And this is the part, it's like, man, this is not easy, right? When the, the, the storms come, when the decisions you have to make, when the temptations come, it's like, man, I've got to live a life that's worthy of the call. Lord, give me strength, let me say no to that temptation. 
Be humble, Ephesians 4 verse 2. Be humble, gentle, patient with each other. Oh, man. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Keep the unity of the Spirit. Speak the truth in love. I'd rather duck and die from confrontation. I don't like, you know, I don't like confronting things. But love, speaking in sp spoken in truth, is actually what you're called to do, what we're called to do. When we stand and we become the church, we have to speak the truth in love. Um, put off the old self. <laughs> and then it says, immediately after that, put on your new self, which is created in Christ. That, that is not something God can do for you. That is something you must do. And these disciplines that we sent out last week, it's all part of us being able to grow. It's like a muscle that needs to grow. Grow in the things that help us to become more like Jesus. Um, put on your new self, right? Put off falsehood. Put on truth. The church needs to be the safest place where we can just be truthful. You know, Adam and Eve was naked after they sinned, and God still came to visit them. Do you think God didn't know? So what did they do? They went and they put leaves quickly, sewed them together. You know, women, so I guess, had a two-piece quickly, sewn together leaves, fig, fig, fig leaves. Eh? And that wasn't enough to cover the nakedness. There's nothing ever that you and I can do in our own ability to cover our nakedness. Yeah. And then what did God do? Then he went. And he says, you know what? I can still see through those leaves. Eh? I, I feel the awkwardness. <laughs> Let me go and kill an animal. And then he went and he kills the animal and he skins the thing. And he puts it together and he says, here. Only God can cover your nakedness. And so in the church, we should never be ashamed because God knows. And he says, I'm willing to cover. That's why Jesus died. He's willing to cover. It's safer to be covered by God than to be try, try to be covered by lies or by even maybe your friends, I find it very interesting that corruption requires friends. Yeah, you want to be safe in corruption, you've got to have a couple of friends. And they all have to be the same. Because it just takes one of them to tell everybody, and the whole thing comes apart. Man can never cover each other in their shame, in their nakedness. Only God can. And so... Ephesians 4, 31 says, get rid of bitterness, of rage, of anger, slander. And speak the truth in love. So my journey, still on, has not been a straight line. <laughs> I don't know if you identify with me. I've had moments, man, we have had victories, and I'm like, Lord, promiscuity I've overcome. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and I would go and lead worship with all uh, unashamedness. 
you know, I've got over my sexual immorality, Lord, until the devil comes knocking again. By the way, I left a few things in that room. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? It's like, oh, go away. <laughs> no, I'm collecting my stuff. One day, I, I, we were walking at the waterfront, eh? Shavana, I think we were engaged. And I, um, I was walking. No, it was, sorry, love, I've, I've, I've confused it. I was walking with the worship team of the church. And, um, you know, I broke up with a girl, but I had other relationships that were also not holy or godly. And so I'm with my worship leader and the whole team and walking through the waterfront and a whole group of girls came up and they recognized me. And I tell you, I wanted to run, man. I, I looked at my worship leader and I, you know what? I never ever, ever said anything to him. I think he just knew. The Lord must have said something to him. And so I was trying to, and then he looked at me and said, are you okay? I said, I'm not okay. And he said, you know what? Come. And he took me out of the group and we walked the other way. And these girls, we just kind of ducked, you know. We, and he said to me, your past won't define you. And, um, and I, I cried again. I was like, Lord, the stuff, they're coming after me, man. <laughs> like, you know. I don't know, you may be sitting here and maybe there are things knocking the whole time. The enemy is saying, hey, I'm coming to collect eh, the rent. The Lord has taken over occupation here. He's put a sign up. This, as this owner, the landlord is no longer you. <laughs> I have a new landlord, but it's a journey. It's so Psalm 51, and I want to go into the second part, which is linked to the heart, and that is your spirit. Some people try to get the spiritual things right, you know. I want to experience the Lord. I want to, man, I want to operate in the spiritual powers of the gifts. Come on, Tim, pray for me. Or Derek, or, you know, one of the leaders, come on, lay it on me. The two are linked. David knew. Creating me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Your spirit is fed by the things of your heart. You can't separate it. You feed your heart the bad things, your spirit is not going to be clean or renewed. And so the two has to walk together through this formation that God is busy with in all of us. And David says, renew a steadfast spirit, a right spirit, a clean spirit, Lord, in me. And he goes on, he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now he gives you another clue that it's not just you anymore, your heart, we can say the flesh, some would call it, you know, um, your, your spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit. And he's also there. So he's like, you know, he's here in me, and he wants full control, and he wants access to every room. If there's anyone that can clean it out, it's him. He's the super cleaner. And it's not always easy and nice, you know, he tells you stuff. 
Bible says he'll convict you of things. He'll, he'll tell you, don't do that. No. Why? Maas lekker. If you can sing that song for me, I'll give you a CD. <laughs> you know the song? Anybody know the song? A lot of saints in this house. Arius, Arius. Yeah, the Buddha Pompey. But it's lekker. I don't know if you've seen the video as well. So Holy Spirit works in us. My wife is rebuking me, so I'll listen. Because he works through her to me as well. <laughs> Verse 12 says, And restore to me the joy. And let me tell you, there was nothing that could give me joy. Like the joy of knowing Jesus. <laughs> and I tried it. You know, I looked, sat in parties where we had space cakes. I was so frustrated because every, every, every lacquer nah, is just temporary. Then it's gone. Then it's like, Basi lacquer, I want lacquer again, man. And then that space cake wasn't enough, you know. And, and it's weird. It's, it's, a, it's a spiral. It's totally a spiral. It's like, okay, that, that brownie didn't do it this time. Um, do you have anything else? <laughs> you know. Um, and then eventually you you down the spiral and it's such a depressive spiral because that, that joy that you thought, you know, is joy, it's temporary, it's, and it's only lacquer there eh, for a period of time and next day when you're on your own, you wake up and you're like, what, what just happened? Like, half the time you don't know what you did the night before. Or you remember a few things and you're like, Lord, I wish I didn't do that. David was at that place where he says, restore to me the joy, Lord. You know, David was the guy dancing in worship. He was the one that was unashamed. I'm ashamed before the Lord brought the presence of God. And here he was in a place of hopelessness because his heart and his spirit was totally, totally broken because of sin. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so I asked the Lord, what is a renewed heart? Because, you know, I, I believe in renewal. I, I, what happened to me at UCT was part of a revival that broke out amongst the campuses. And many came to the Lord. And there were some strange people, <laughs> you know. And it was, it, was, it was exciting. It was because uh, we would know each other from clubs, you know, from the club days. And here we are worshiping together. Some of us became leaders in the church. And Lord con- completely renewed us, renewed our spirit. But what is a renewed spirit? And I, I, I do believe that what, why David, and I don't know if he had full revelation because, you know, he was still living in the prophetic, um, the prophetic uh, futuristic vision of the Messiah coming. But he had so much revelation because the renewed spirit God gives you a regenerated spirit when you come to Him, yeah. when you accept Him as Lord. David somehow knew, that, Lord, you don't need to create a new spirit here. You've got to renew the spirit. 
I'm going a little deep. Just bear with me. Because you have a new spirit already in you, because you're already with God, and He's living in you as a believer. So He knew that the spirit somehow was actually haunted with stuff. It was almost like it was covered with all the stuff that the heart was impure of, you know? And so, are we, are we going to play the clip? So watch this, and uh, I'm looking for children. There's not a lot of children. So we're safe, love. Okay, my son is going to... It's not, it's not too hectic, but we just want to be... Otherwise, you know, you're going to have to have a chat with them. But you might know the clip. This is a scene from Lord of the Rings. And uh, Gan- Gandalf, the grey the, the became Gandalf the White, comes to this king. I think his name is Thordor. It's Thordor. You'll see now. And, and this king has a moment because he's actually under a curse. Um, I think we're almost ready. He's under a curse and he has this moment where he's being released from this curse. And I th- want you to see this because I believe this is what the Lord would do when he renews his spirit. Are we ready? Should I wait a bit? Oh, okay, you're going to give me a signal. Can I continue? There are my sermon notes. I work hard. Look at the time I send there. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay, you're trying to sort it out. So... There's a picture of me. There we go. Wait. If I go, Theoden dies. You did not kill me. You will not kill him. Rohan.
Breathe the free air again, my friend. Fingers would remember their own strength better if they grasped your soul. I don't know if you ever watched that movie, but I tell you, it's such a pow powerful moment there. And it's the same when God renews you. When He breaks off all that false identities, those things that come upon us, that try to, it lies, it says, nah, you're no good. Look what you've done. You, and this is what Paul was saying. It's like, man, you've got to live worthy of the call that God has called you. And He's positioned you in heavenly places. He's placed you there. And when you break off all that stuff and allow the Lord to totally, totally break it off, you have the freedom then to be a child of God, the sons and the daughters of God. Romans 8 says it this way. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so when those things break off and you, you walk back in identity of sonship, of a child of God, and you say, Satan, you have no hold here. You can bring everything you have. You are not the landlord of this home. A renewed spirit does not operate from a place of fear, but a place of power, of love, and of a sound mind. In other words, self-control. And so 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for the Spirit of God gives us, for the Spirit God give, gave us does not make us timid, or in other words, fearful, but gives us power, gives us love, and self-discipline. What is, what is he saying? He's saying that through the Spirit of God that lives in you, you have the ability to say no to sin. When it comes, you can actually say no in Jesus' name because this is not who I am. It's amazing how that one moment of, you know, Paul says, uh, take every thought captive. That one moment when the thoughts come, it happens so quickly. When you make a decision, 
You either make the decision, I'm not, this is not who I am, or we make the decision to walk further into the temptation. That's what James says. When the thought becomes a desire, and desire then starts, and we act on the desire, then he says, then sin becomes. So having the thought, having the temptations, not the, you know, that's the, that's, that's the, the entry, the, the knocking on the door. And at that moment, Timothy says, man, you have the self-discipline. You have the power through the Holy Spirit to stop it right there and take that thought captive and say, oh, this is not who I am. And Jesus then said to the Samaritan woman, in John 4, 23 to 24, yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? In spirit and in truth. And then he goes on and says, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, the position of worship is from the position of my spirit. That when I have a renewed spirit, and we see this, you know, when, when like this morning, I tell you, I, I believe, firmly believe, when the presence of God comes, he starts to chisel, and he's shaping you. And he says, ah, there, there's a little stuff that needs to come off. And he knocks it. And if you just allow God to do that, by the time you leave, you, you can feel it. Man, now here's the key. Tomorrow, or maybe straight after the service, you need to, you need to put on the armor, <laughs> Because it's coming, right? You walk out and it's like all of a sudden all the mud and, you know, it takes one car to drive past a clean car and maybe eat a little bit of mud and it splatters. And the air cars are getting dirty. And so the Lord says, Galatians, put on the armor. Put on the armor of God, right? The helmet of salvation. Put, put, put on your protection so that when you walk and the cars are coming, yeah, and they, you're protected in every way, not to allow the thoughts that will cripple you if you let them in. You block them at the point of entry. And I tell you, I'm preaching this, but I'm preaching to me because I'm like you. Hey, Didi. We're exactly the same. We are fallible. Not true. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you, Pete. Nope. We are fallible. We all sit in the same. But this morning, like that picture, that video, the Spirit of God is here. And He can just take his, that hose, man. And He can just wash you clean to renew your spirit. So I'm going to invite you. We've got a few minutes. Uh, Jason, can you come? And I love that verse, man. Kiss the sun. It, it's, maybe we should write the song to him. Using it. It's, just, it's sitting in my spirit the whole time. Kiss the sun. But all you have to do 
is come to Jesus. All you need to do is come to him. There's nothing more. There's nothing more. Don't worry about, you know, um, the traditions of church, the, what, you know, worship needs to be like this. No, 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 no. Father is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. When you come and you open it all up and you say, this is who I am. And if you want to cry this morning, you cry. Because it's okay to cry. If you want to laugh, then laugh. It's okay. If you want to sit quietly, it's fine. You want to lie down. I don't know. We did clean the carpets. Yeah, we got new carpets. Clean well. But to position your heart at a point of vulnerability... And just to say, Lord, renew in me a steadfast, steadfast spirit. Just put away the fears of the future. Put aside those fears of what this country is going through. Lord, where is it going? We all have those questions. Put aside those fears of, are my children going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? You can close your eyes with me just for a moment. Uh, yeah, position your heart, you know, and... and Maybe, I don't know, whatever position you need to take in the natural will help you. Uh, for some, I know, you just need to stand somewhere. You know. um, I know one thing for sure, that God is just and he, when you ask him for forgiveness he's faithful and just to forgive you of all and so don't allow the enemy now to come and tell you you're not ready we heard this a couple of weeks ago you got to do this get rid of that no you can try sow your fig leaves it's not gonna work surely didn't work for me um, And so, just position your heart to say, Lord, I am vulnerable before you because you know all things and I invite you into those rooms right now. Come, Holy Spirit. break some things off because I can I can I just see that some you've been living in that space of darkness for very long it's become part of your identity and I, I just know the Lord wants to break it off this morning right now that you may walk as the son and daughter of the Most High once again you may know without a doubt that God loves you and that He's called you 
and you are able to live worthy of the call that God has on, placed on your life. So, when you're ready, you feel, man, I've broken it, Lord has broken it off. I'm going to ask you to stand when you feel you're ready. Because there's one more thing that I want to close the service with. Worship in the Spirit. As soon as you sense God, God's dealt with the stuff, I can feel it. I feel the freedom. You can stand. So we're gonna close with one more thing together. asking you to stand for a prayer to see what I'm asking you feel that you're in that position of just having let it all go and the Lord has already affirmed in you who you are in him then I'm gonna ask you to stand that place this morning because we we're here to minister as well and we know how to go anywhere but we'll minister with you after the service if you need a need some prayer you need some help just let these things go and allow the Lord to renew you but I'm gonna do one more minute maybe it's under a minute okay and as soon as you feel Holy Spirit has taken that guilt off whatever I can feel the freedom I can feel that I, I've been affirmed to your sonship your daughtership Lord you stand 
Are you ready to worship the Lord in spirit? Ephesians 5 says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. You see, we, we, we're good at hymns and psalms. We have good songwriters in the world that write these hymns for us. But this morning, as we, as we, before we leave, I believe the Lord wants to activate the spiritual songs in you. Your spirit has got a voice. Your spirit has got a sound. I love this next part. It says, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And so it's quite simple. Because the Holy Spirit, as I said, dwells in you. Your spirit being made renewed, come alive, is a communion dance, I believe, with the Holy Spirit. And so even sometimes I found, you know, I'm not going to ask you to sing in tongues, you hear me? Because it might be a tongue. But I've also found, sometimes it's melodies of the heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. can sing with that tongue because the spirit knows what the spirit sings like the spirit knows what the spirit speaks or prays the Bible says out to deep you know what the deepest part of you are is your spirit man the deepest part of you reach out to the deepest part of him spirit to spirit so we're gonna we're gonna close there but I'm gonna ask you not to you know for those that want to just continue worship team we can just continue for a bit just 
keep engaging with Him and maybe you need some prayer, some help. Didi, we're around there. We're going to just put your hand up. You don't have to go too high. We'll pray for you. Sometimes you just need somebody just to come and just release like candle. <laughs> come and release that thing, whatever that thing is. Um, but today, there's freedom. There's freedom, 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 freedom available. There's freedom available. And this freedom is not just for now, it's for you to walk in for eternity. So we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. I pray that you bless us, Father, bless this church, bless our, each and every family. Give us a week, Lord, we can never forget. Keep us in the safe place of Jesus. That, Father, no matter what news we face, we can always turn to you. We can always be with you, Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to release you. I'm going to ask you to just allow those that want to continue to worship. Um, and outside, go for it. There's some coffee next door if you need a cup. Um, you can talk outside. If we keep the auditorium um, in this place of worship right now. And if you need some prayer, just put your hand up. And we've got people, friends that will come around to pray. Yeah.